Blog Talk Radio. Father's Day and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett and I'm really excited that you joined us here this morning. I have a question for all you listeners out there. Have you ever considered chiropractic treatment for your pets? Well, you've picked a great day to tune in because Dr. Kristen Bodenbender, a certified veterinary chiropractitioner, will be stopping by shortly to talk about all the benefits of this kind of treatment for animals. And after our halftime break, Jeffrey Isbell will be stopping by to talk about how to travel safely with your pets and a little bit about how he plans on spending Father's Day with his most special furry child. All this and more are coming up after a very quick station break here on K Mozart. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I am really eager to introduce our first guest. She's a certified veterinary chiropractitioner, and her name is Dr. Kristen Bowden Bender. Welcome to the Pet Place, Dr. B. Thanks, Marie. Appreciate that. Uh, I just have a question for you. How did you get involved in animal chiropractic? Um, I've always wanted to get involved in helping animals. I became uh, licensed to work on people in 1996 and about four years after the fact found um, coursework to be able to get certified and become a certified veterinary chiropractitioner. So I've always wanted to do that. Um, My mom's a wildlife rehabilitator, a certified wildlife rehabilitator, and so I've always been interested in animals. We've always had different kinds of animals around, so it was a very comfortable place for me to be. So exploring that as an option was terrific for me. Are you working on both people and animals then? I do. I do. I have my people practice in Costa Mesa, and I have my animal practice in Huntington Beach. Oh, okay. I was wondering if maybe they all came to the same place. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, that's one thing that the uh, owner of this my people practice building said, you're not bringing the animals over here, right? And I said, no, 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 I'm at a veterinary office in uh, Huntington Beach. It's called Huntington Beach Pet Vet. So, ah, excellent, yeah. excellent. Now, what sort of conditions... Do you apply your area of expertise on? So if if somebody came in with a pet, what normally do you see? Well, I see a lot of different things, and it depends on, mainly I treat um, dogs. Okay. So canines is kind of where my wheelhouse is. Um, But I also treat cats and horses, and I've worked on possums and birds and rabbits, different kinds of animals. So, um, but dogs primarily. And I'll see anything from the aged animal that, I get, you know, Sparky's really having a hard time getting into the Jeep. Okay. Or climbing the stairs or getting off the couch. You know, those kind of classic older animal, the the 10, 11, 12-year-old animal, that kind of slow down mode to where they just think they need a tune-up. To um, I do a lot of sport work with a lot of different types of, like, fly ball and agility Uh, and um, luring and dock diving and different things that way. So those, the frisbee. The competitors want their animals tuned up, and they need them to be plu-perfect for uh, competition. So I can do that huge 
swing in between. So, so you're not well, necessarily seeing them for injuries per correct. se. You're you're seeing them just as a, a regular. Keep them at their top form. I see. I so see. yeah. So and my goal is to keep your animal healthy. So I'm like, gosh, if you just tune your animal up a few times a year, it keeps their lifespan longer. It keeps them moving well. Uh, it keeps them happy and loose and. You gain you gain years out of that animal, which makes you and the animal and the whole family happier. What is actually involved when you say tune up? Um, it's that's a, that's a great question. Uh, when you tune an animal up, as as I call it, um, I do a, a series of a couple different things. I'm certified in veterinary orthopedic manipulation, which is a specific technique. But I and I'll explain that in a second. But I start with just kind of getting my hands on the animal so that the animal gets to know me, so that I get an idea of the temperature of the animal, the tone of the muscles, uh, the flexibility of the spine, the hips, the shoulders, chest, neck, etc., and then um, do a little bit of hand mobilization that way, kind of loosening them up and working and doing some hand massage. And then I go in with a, a little adjusting tool and apply a very light, gentle force that you can specifically dial in with the tool, which is very nice meaning you can use it from anything from a two-pound chihuahua to a racehorse. What, what is this tool? Is, can you describe it? It's, um, I use one that's electric, but I also have a hand um, mobilizing tool specifically made for animals. I'm trying to think of what it looks like. It looks like an in human chiropractic. It kind of looks like an activator instrument. Um, it's a stainless steel tool that... You can deliver a very light amount of force with it. It's okay. spring-loaded, has a spring tension. Okay. So it's very gentle. And Is it uh, scary for the animals? How it's do they loud. Have? The one thing that, that drives me crazy about it is it's kind of a little bit clacky. Mm-hmm. So if I have an animal, and it's, it's painless. Okay. But the noise, if I have a noise-sensitive animal, they can sometimes react to the noise, not necessarily the actual movement when it's being applied onto each segment of the spine. Okay. So, and then I just you do a couple passes that way, and then I use a another tool that does real technical massage and works along the spinal column to release any spasms that they may have from being malaligned. I see. I see. Yeah. Uh, how prevalent do you think it is for people to know? I mean, is it common knowledge that there are veterinarians out there who are chiropractic? Well, I'm a chiropractor. Okay. And so I work, and so that that's a very technical aspect of this business. I'm a chiropractor that became certified to be able to work at a veterinarian's office with along and alongside veterinarians. Okay. So I have two practices. That's why I have my people practice in one site, and then I go to a veterinary office in Huntington Beach at Huntington Beach Pet Vet, and I'm there three days a week and in the mornings, and I work there under that site. So well, I, I need them in hand. My question then would be, how how many people really know about this? Is this Not very many. Do you, okay. <laughs> Usually I've learned that people find me somehow Googling me because they're chiropractic patients or um, their uh, friend said, you know, hey, my dog's walking great now because Dr. Bodenbender, you know, adjusted it. And they, uh-huh. they're like, what? So they find me through referrals. I also have other veterinarians locally that refer to me. Oh, great. Which is great. really neat, yeah, after they've seen my work. Now, a lot of people have uh, dogs that tend to get various problems with their back, like uh, 
dachshunds, for example, yeah. they tend to have a lot of problems and they, they, they shouldn't be jumping up on their hind legs and that sort of thing. Correct. Would you recommend breeds like that that are kind of low-slung? Uh, the long and lows. Yeah. Marie, I call them the long and lows, yeah. That's a great that's that's a great point because they are one of the breeds I see the most. Okay. Bassets, basset hounds, corgis, doxies, those kind of long and low chowinis, those <laughs> long and low dogs, you know. So they do. They get gravity affects them more in the in the center because they are longer and they are low. So they ha- they struggle sometimes with disc problems, discitis, um, and definitely get some subluxation areas which are misalignments of the vertebra that can pinch a nerve. They can get that kind of right in that junction where they'd be uh, in their mid-back there. What you're saying then is if you have a breed like this, from the very beginning you should probably be getting this kind of care, right? Yeah, at about six months forward. Okay, and this should be a lifetime treatment, and it's something that your dog will get used to and, and might even enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. They do like it very much. Uh, I have that. I'm the happy clients. I always tell my clients, well, I always know who mine are because they're the ones that are wagging their tails and smiling at me, and they're not scared because they know they're not going to get a shot <laughs> or their temperature taken. <laughs> now, if a dog has something like hip dysplasia, is mm-hmm. there anything that you could do for a dog like that? That's a that's a very frustrating case. Um, so I usually work with a veterinarian on that because they're sometimes dealing with the pain management aspect of it through different kinds of. Uh, anti-inflammatories and and stuff to to make the animal comfortable. And then I go along because they now have sort of uh, an incorrect gait because they're not walking real well because the hips do hurt them. Uh That that then affects not only the hip itself but the pelvis and the spine. So my job is to keep that as loose and flexible as I possibly can to keep that pressure and that weight off of those hips specifically. Okay, I see. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand that you're kind of splitting your time up between your human practice and your veterinary practice. Yes. How do you do that? (laughs) I just get to the veterinarian's office early in the morning, and I work early in the morning, and I I just have it's uh, each treatment time is about a new patient is about a half an hour, and follow ups are about fifteen minute blocks. So if I get to the office at around seven thirty in the morning, I can work till easily 9.45. That gives me a nice chunk of time. And I do that on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then I come back to my people practice, and I work here from about 10 to 6.37 o'clock. Wow. So you really have no life. (laughs) (laughs) But I only do that three days a week. Oh, okay. So it's okay. okay. I get my 40 hours in. It just happens to be over a span of three days. And then at the vet's office, I work um, every other Saturday there as well to accommodate the people that can't get to me early in the morning. Oh, excellent. Mm -hmm. If somebody wanted to see you and make a consultation, how would they go about setting that up? Um, they, the easiest way is to actually contact me at my office at Back in Motion Chiropractic, which is in Costa Mesa. And the phone number there is area code 714-434-2585. I can also be reached via email, and that is drkbodenbender at yahoo.com. So D-R period, the letter K, and then bodenbender, B-O-D-E-N. B-E-N-D-E-R at yahoo.com. Excellent. And then they could schedule here, and then my girls would uh, instruct everybody on how to get to the Huntington Beach Pet Vet and where their appointment is and what have you. How many chiropractic veterinary 
practitioners do you think there are out there? There are quite a few. Really? There are quite a few. It's just it's getting it's finding one that does it the right way. And that was something that was really impressed upon us when we were in class and it was find a veterinarian if you're not already a veterinarian because the doctor that teaches this teaches it to veterinarians and he teaches it to chiropractors. And he said, you know, if you're a chiropractor, just find a good veterinarian that you like to work with or a group and be on site. Have their um, eyes and ears and hands available in case you have any questions or concerns or you feel something that you're not comfortable with, then you can reach out to them and they can assist you. So that's the best way to do it. Find somebody who's certified, who's done the coursework and actually worked at a veterinarian's office. Excellent. You think there's people like you all over the country then because the place actually does air online, you know, across the country. So yes. it'd be great if and other people yeah, can Yeah, you can even Google like the uh veterinary orthopedic manipulation V O M and um you can put in your zip code and you can find somebody who's taken the coursework that's probably some aligns more with where you are in the country. Excellent. And do you have a website by any chance? I do. It's back in motion incorporated.com and it's just inc.com or drbodenbender.com and that has all your animal stuff on it too correct it has both outstanding yes well dr b this has been absolutely fascinating thank you so much for stopping by the pet place today thank you marie we need to take a very quick break now but when we return jeffrey is still will be stopping by to talk about traveling with your pet during the summertime, and also a little bit about how he plans on spending his Father's Day with his little furry child. This and more are coming right up here on Came Apart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'd like to welcome our old friend Jeffrey Isbell to the show. Good morning, Jeffrey. How are you? Hello again. So it's Father's Day, and I know a lot of people are planning on doing some special things with their kids. And one of the things we were talking about is making sure that you include your furry children in the big celebration also. And I was wondering, what are you going to be doing with your Labradoodle? You know what I like about uh, having my pets along on my special days? What's that? Well... Uh, and, and it's also something I like about Father's Day. See, even though it's only once a year, we don't make a point of talking about my age on that day. <laughs> and Willa, my dog, she never reminds me. She never thinks I'm getting older. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And I don't embarrass her. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I actually do have a plan uh, this year with my dog, and that is to just spend as much time as I can with her. I let myself get distracted by a lot of things, and I always take her for granted. But, you know, we, we probably all, sadly, have memories of losing our pets. And this is a, t- a good time to remember that they're not going to be there forever. And, you know, just like that song, what, Cats in the Cradle? <laughs> I mean, you know, the, you, the time does run out. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's such a she's such a wonderful pet. I was reflecting on that because my wife posted some pictures on Facebook of uh, me at the beach shortly after we got her. And, um, man, that was a great day. And I think I'm going to take her down to Dog Beach. Ah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And traveling, let's talk a little bit. It's the summertime now, and we're heading into the season when everybody's going to be taking off and traveling with your pets. Last week we spoke to somebody 
who actually scouts out campsites and parks and all kinds of great things, hotels, restaurants where you can take your pet. But let's talk a little bit about traveling safely with your pet. I know there's a lot of things you have to prepare, but let's start with the drive. What do you have to do if you're going on a long road trip? What well, should you do? First of all, I want to say as far as all that scouting out, planning and preparing and all that, I really don't recommend that because that makes me look bad. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because I don't do all those things. I'm a little lazier than that. And if my dog could find out, there's a there's a way somehow, and she might, you know, at least I might feel guilty about not doing all those things. But, <laughs> but I do have a, I have a friend who just got a, a new dog, and he was he was worried about will, will his dog be a good traveler, and so I invited him to come along down to Dog Beach, and that'll be his first trip with the dog, and that's a good way to find out if your dog can travel at all. Some dogs very very quickly and easily get sick. Carsick. Carsick. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll find out if his little Fido, I don't even know its name, but we'll find out what that dog's name is and whether or not <laughs> fill in the blank gets sick on car rides. Willa, my dog, man, she loves a car ride. And she gets in there and, and goes to sleep and she'll sit there for hours and she's a very good traveler. I'm very lucky. lucky wow, dog that's dag. really nice. Now but what you, were you asking? You me? you definitely don't want to head out on a five-hour road trip if you've never gone on a road trip with your dog only to find out that it's throwing up in your back seat five no. minutes into your trip. No, but I will say that if that's what you would do, like if that's the way you would be a dog owner, that's probably a good idea. You should do that. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> well, you know, because you deserve those results if that's the way you plan to take care of your pet. No offense, but I mean, come on. Okay. you got to learn about them, right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so if you are going, seriously though, if you are going on a long trip, I know a lot of people just like powering through. If they've got a five-hour trip, they power on through and do the whole five hours and don't stop. You can't really do that with a pet. I have a brother who's, it's a point of pride for him, how far he can go. You're making himself suffer the whole way. Well, that's fine, but don't make your dog suffer. Absolutely. Save that for a different trip. How often should you stop and give your pet a break? (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm t- tempted to tease you and, you know, make up some crazy amount of time. But, uh, uh, well, uh, every couple hours. Okay. And you just get out. You can wait a little longer than that sometimes. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not talking, yeah, you just get out. You, whenever, of course, whenever you get gas. But if you, you know, if you have a good economy car and you're going a long way, yeah, just, just pull over at the rest stop. You see a rest stop, rest stop. Hop out of the car, get the dog out, let her or him stretch their legs, and have a little uh, drink of water. A little, little drink of water. You know, it's if you're fine, it's easy to think they're fine. Uh, but, but that's not true for dogs because they no, don't regulate their temperature the same way human beings do, yeah. and they can overheat very, you want an very easily. <laughs> There's a reason for that. It's not just for your entertainment. <laughs> Okay. They stick okay. their head out the window, loll the tongue, and uh, there goes a lot of water mm-hmm. right into the atmosphere. But by the way, don't let them do that either. Yeah, we don't want them sticking their heads out the window because how many of you out there listening have ever been driving along when all of a sudden, bang, you get this big rock on your windshield? You could just imagine if your head's hanging out of the car and bang, you get a big rock in your eye. And having worked at a veterinary hospital as uh, one of my many careers in the past, 
it's it's a real horrible horrible injury for for pets and you just don't want to put your animal in that situation as much as they like hanging their head out and enjoying the view that way keep them inside and also make sure your air conditioner works well in the back part of your car so often cars have air conditioners that make the front nice and comfortable for the driver and the front seat passenger but the air conditioner doesn't really work that well in the back so pay attention to that and pay attention to make sure your pets aren't overheating you know your pets need thought it's a responsibility and sometimes you think man these guys make owning a pet like a big job is no no more than a lot of other things anything you care about you take care of mm-hmm. and you also want to make sure that when you're out camping at beautiful campgrounds that you're a responsible pet owner and you pick up after your pet. I can't begin to tell you how many times I have been infuriated by walking across What do you mean, Marie? Pick up what? (laughs) You're so funny. Walking across a a pristine hiking trail and all of a sudden there'll be a big pile of dog feces right in the middle of the trail and i'm not angry at the dog they have to go to the bathroom but i'm angry at the irresponsible owner who has just left it there and continued right on their well, i'm sure way. it just comes as a complete surprise to them <laughs> that's right that their dog would have to go to the bathroom yeah. i know it's it's it just it's one of my pet peeves uh no pun intended <laughs> i was thinking we could go somewhere with that we need to bring along a peeve bag. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But another thing, too, is when you're out and about and you're walking these hiking trails, your dogs need to be on leash because there are other people hiking. They don't necessarily want an strange dog running up to them and and jumping up on them. They don't know if it's friendly or if it's But in all fairness, how can your dog catch a squirrel if you've got it on a leash? <laughs> No, no, we don't want our pets chasing the wildlife either. Did you know it's actually against the law for animals to harass wildlife? Well, you know, I did. That was actually a setup. Oh, okay. That's called a setup, folks. <laughs> Creating an opportunity to discuss an important topic. Yeah, and you don't want your pet running into a wild animal that could potentially be dangerous. If your pet is on a leash, he's safe and sound next to you, and wild animals who are in close proximity aren't necessarily going to come up and challenge you and your dog. Whereas if your dog is 50 feet ahead of you and going off the trail and sniffing in areas where it doesn't belong, there's a chance it could be bitten by a rattlesnake. There's a chance it could encounter a little coyote or a big coyote. raccoon. Raccoons, that's right. And a skunk, that's the last thing you need on your camping trip is Mm. for your dog to be drenched with skunk juice. I was just picturing it. I was was having a lot of internal enjoyment over that one. (laughs) I mean, just imagine bringing your dog back home to your tent or your RV, and it has the most incredibly strong odor you've ever experienced and and folks smelling it on the car drive in the freeway off in the distance is completely different than having your dog actually be 
sprayed by a skunk. The the odor is so intense it will literally make your eyes turn red and water. I don't know how many people have actually experienced that out there, but but you have. I have actually in my animal control days. Funny story: a woman was planning a wedding at their house, and their dog went out into the backyard, and it caught a skunk in their backyard. <laughs> And proudly brought it into the house, and the skunk was alive and was spraying everywhere while the dog was parading around in every single room. It was so proud. And, of course, the smell didn't bother him at all. And sort of like bringing in a, a lethal yard sprinkler? <laughs> exactly. But the poor woman, she was planning a wedding just a few days later for her daughter at the house, and she asked me, is this smell going to be gone by then? <laughs> I just had to tell her. I think you should consider another venue. (laughs) Very, very sad story. But, yeah, you don't want to experience something like that. Be prepared. Yeah, while you are camping. I mean, that would just be horrible. And, of course, the other thing is make sure your pets have all their shots, rabies vaccinations, especially if you're going to be in a wild area. You never know what you're going to encounter, so be safe. And also, if your pets take medication, travel with your medications and get a few phone numbers for veterinarians that are close by just on the outside chance there's an emergency. You want to have those numbers and not have to scramble for information in the event of an emergency. Simple things like a water dish, too. Absolutely. Well, in the time remaining, I just want to wish everybody a very happy Father's Day. I know Jeff's going to have a great time with his dog, Willa, at Dog Beach. And we'll be back on the Pet Place in just a moment here on K Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Mark your calendars for the 18th running of the Wiener Snitchel Wiener Nationals, the evening of Saturday, July 20th, with proceeds to benefit the Seal Beach Animal Care Center. The Care Center is a nonprofit group dedicated to finding homes for stray animals in the Orange County area, so this is a very worthwhile and fun event. Admission is just $3 for adults. Children 17 and under are absolutely free. General parking is free. And Los Alamitos Racecourse is located at 4961 Catella in Los Alamitos. For more information, call 714-820-2690. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Yeah.